This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the non-profit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise podcast. I am but one of your hosts for this podcast, and my name is Brandy Jackola. And with me, as almost always, is Patrick Devlin. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. How are you today? Uh, I'm I'm just peachy. I'm peachy. I got caught in a windstorm. My hair's all funky. It's great. It's great. And then also, always joining us. Brandon Jamatella. Brandon, how are you? I got a terrible stomachache. I've been eating this raw targ foot with like hair <laughs> on it. Yuck. And it, it's not going, it's not sitting out. Flocks told me to eat it, but it's not sitting well in my tummy. Good source of protein. Yeah. Good source of death, too. <laughs> and for tonight's discussion, we have a special guest with us for his first appearance on. Four, five. Zach Moore from Standard Orbit. Zach, how are you? Hello, hello. Greetings and felicitations from Standard Orbit. I'm happy to be here with you all. This is my first time on Warp 5, so it's always exciting to, to jump into a new podcast with you all and talk about some, some, well, you know, I'll let you guys set up the topic, but it, it's very it's very catered to a TOS Enterprise crossover discussion, and I'm looking forward to delving into it with you all. Fantastic. I caught your Trulane reference. <laughs> there you go. Hip, hip, hooray, tally <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, tonight, today, this afternoon, this morning, wherever you're listening to this, we are going to be discussing and comparing Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, with the Season 2 episode, Enterprise, of Enterprise, excuse me. Let's try that again. The Season 2 episode of Enterprise, Judgment. And... That's perfect fit for Zach to be here to discuss this with us. So let's get started. So Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, gave us an up-close look at the Klingon justice system because Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy were put on trial, a very public trial, for the assassination of Chancellor Gorkon. And 11 years after that movie came out, Star Trek Enterprise uh, visits an earlier time in the timeline in the Klingon Empire's justice system in the episode Judgment. 
And some believe that it is very similar, if not a complete ripoff, of that scene in Star Trek VI. So we are going to discuss that. So let's talk about the things first that are the similarities between the two. And we're not going to talk about like physical appearance of the courtroom and stuff like that. But let's talk about other similarities. Brandon, I know that you have felt that there are a lot of similarities here. So let's start with you. Yeah, I haven't been the biggest fan of this episode, you know, throughout most of my watches of this episode, because I am I kind of think that this is a bit of a ripoff of Star Trek Six, and you know, Star Trek Six is such a great movie that it, it didn't need to have this kind of an episode. But you know, uh, rewatching it again this this week, I think it was just last night that I watched it actually for this. Um, I, I've kind of lightened a bit on it. It's I don't think it's as bad. Like it would have been in my bottom five Enterprise episodes prior to this, but I'll probably put it you know maybe bottom bottom twenty or twenty something like that. But I think the problem with the episode is the direction and, like, the shots and the angles that they've used, like, especially of the overhead shots of the court, are, like, completely ripped off from Nicholas Meyer in Star Trek VI. But not done as well. Yeah. You know? (laughs) That's that's the problem. Like, I I compare it to, because obviously this is, call it an homage, you know, call it what you will, but this this is lifts heavily from Star Trek VI. And you can't help but think about the better version of what you're seeing when you're seeing them shot the exact same thing shot in the exact same ways. It's such an, it, it, it just screams for an A to B comparison and, you know, no fault to the enterprise guys. There's no way they can live up to a major motion picture, you know, the budget, the cinematography, everything. So I, you know, the way I look at it, I kind of compared to like, if you look at like Superman, the movie, the first Christopher Reeve movie, you know, top of the line for the time, special effects, production value, cinematography. And then you look at Superman four, the quest for peace, like, bargain budget you know superman movie you, you you can see the strings you see like there, there's no crowd there's no scope anymore like that's the adv comparison that that my mind went to watching this episode just 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 purely just in the way it was presented to you and i feel like they didn't i'm you know and in fact i'm glad that the, the courtroom has looked the same they should that that creates a continuity inside the star trek universe because it's only you know 100 years give or take before Star Trek Six, so it makes sense the courtrooms would look the same. But uh, as Brandon said, to, to have the exact same angles, the same shots, the same guys sitting in the seats banging the sticks, like y- your mind goes to Star Trek Six and how excellent it was done there, and it really hurts this episode stand on its own. Patrick, what are your feelings? Well, they kind of said it all. Except when I first watched Judgment, I hadn't just watched uh, Star Trek Six, so I didn't really compare them in my mind. Until I was forced to watch them back to back for this, and now I don't like Judgment as much. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't well, hate I guess... it. I, I don't, you know. But but you definitely notice it when you're looking to watch them back to back. You definitely notice that. Yeah, they used, you know, they, they like like um like you said, they, they're trying to, to pay homage to, to Star Trek Six, and it's kind of you know a little bit of fan service there. But it, it didn't come off as well as I think they had hoped it would come off. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, I guess I'm going to be the one dissenter because I saw major differences, maybe not in the way it was shot, but in the storylines. And I just thought, yeah, it's Klingon court. And that's pretty much where the similarities ended for me because mm-hmm. it's a very different situation. It's a different reason. Uh, it's a different structure of the trial than what we see in Star Trek Six. And 
I'll get into that more later on when we start talking about the differences. But the similarities to me didn't bother me because I felt like they were showing us the things that we knew were established from Star Trek VI, and then they're going to turn it on its ear and do something different with it. So I actually appreciated that. And even watching them back to back, which I did. I watched Star Trek VI first. I watched that episode of Enterprise right after it. And I'm just like, and I took notes. I'm like writing down all of the differences. And then all of the similarities were just superficial things to me. So, but that's, again, my personal opinion. And as I have often stated, opinions are neither right nor wrong. They just are. They're subjective. So. Well, Brandy, I I see what you're saying. But I think what pushes over the edge for me is they go to Rua Prince. <laughs> you know, like did you have to do that Where else I have in addition go? to the car? No, I have I have a point right before that that actually bothers me more now that didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um when they when they're going through this whole thing, right? They they the the guy oh man, I'm terrible with names, but the guy advocating for Archer Martos. Colos. Colos. Colos, the executioner. Yeah, there. That's Kodos. Not to be confused. Not getting confused with Colos the Medusa, and there's just so much fan service. So, 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 so. Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> no, it's okay. But Please. he's telling him how Isn't like the guy there was a ton. For? I'm never getting this in. We let the man talk. <laughs> Sorry. So, I'm gonna mute all of you. Shush, Patrick, talk. So they they go on about how like the 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 justice system goes in cycles, but we only see the two times that the cycle is a dog and pony show. Like that bothered me a lot. Like I know this the, is the two times we happen to see it. It's it's, it's a dog and pony it show. It's just you're point. guilty. We're just doing this for fun, you know. So people can bang sticks. But at the end, he kind of like <laughs> he's trying to push it back over the edge where justice is actual justice and not just a dog and pony show. And then apparently, a hundred years later, we're right back to where we started this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. This episode is twenty two fifty two. And then Star Trek Six is twenty three ninety three. Twenty so twenty two ninety three. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. So it's we got hundred fifty years, give or take. You know, maybe you know, maybe they go in like seventy five year cycles. We just happen to to catch the 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 most extreme orbit of the cycle. But yeah, it's a that's a good point. It doesn't do the Klingon justice system any justice to see uh, <laughs> no. no justice being done. Apparently, well, they just always suck. Well, I <laughs> have an argument for that, but that's that's coming up later. Okay, well, then I'll tell you the thing that pushed it over the top for me, and it has nothing to do with Star Trek Six. The thing that really pushed this episode over the top, there's two things, actually. The one is at the end with Rurapente, when they just walk out the front door. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> like, That's not the front door. That is just how they all walked in. That's how they all got in there. Yeah, but that's just a hallway they emptied into where they were. That doesn't yeah, necessarily right. it's a the hallway. front They're door. They're on a set, I realize that. They're on a set, and it's the hallway. But the Planet Hill said it, probably. I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't know. The end when they just walk out and it's done. I mean, I don't know. Like, that kind of frustrates me as an ending. Like, it's just such a, like, a... It's such an ending. I don't know. It's an anticlimax. Yeah. Yes. But the thing that re- that pushes it really over the top for me is the inclusion of Jurass. You know? Oh, yeah. Fan- yes. Fan service done wrong. Yeah. This is like Star Wars prequels fan service. Like, Jurass is just the scourge of the Klingon galaxy, and he's just going to be the thorn in all of the main characters' th- what thighs or feet or where, where, is, where do the thorns go? Thorns, thorns go in your sides. sides. Okay. Thorn in the side. The biblical use of thorn is for the side. In Canada, they go in your thigh. But Brandon, did you catch he was the son of Taral, which was his bastard child from Redemption? Sure. 
Yes, I totally caught that, and I like. So they reuse the names, just like Colonel Worf was Worf's grandfather in Star Trek Six. You know, I, you know that's, that's fan service. Yeah, that was. Uh, don't, you, don't you love it? I, the thing is, is that I didn't like Worf being in Star Trek Six. I thought it was a little too on the nose. And I agree. I actually yeah, did not like that at all. I'm like, really? I actually, really? I actually messaged Brandon about it while watching it. <laughs> What's Worf doing here? He's like, okay, I'm Colonel Worf again. There's a Worf I don't father. care. I don't care which Worf he is. Michael Dorn. I don't care which Worf he is. Get a different person to play him and then still name him Worf. That's, that oh, would okay, be better. So did, it, did it bother any of y'all that J.J. That, uh, Herzler played Colos here? Yes. Yeah, not uh, really. It did. Uh, I don't I'm, like I'm to okay me. It did because again, he's Martok to th- to make him another Klingon. You know, like I don't, I don't know. Like it's to see Jeffrey Coombs play a Ferengi and uh, Vorta it's Coombs, and, and Coombs. Yeah. Coombs. 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 Was that he's Canadian Coombs. coming out? He's Canadian. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay? Coombs. my hair, eh? Coombs. Anyways, um, he played a Ferengi. He played an Andorian. Like he plays all these different things. Like to see Martok. As another Klingon, like you're when you're looking at him, I'm just constantly thinking of Martok when I'm looking. Well, at it's him. not. I, they did a really good job making him look different. I agree. He, he looked nothing like Martok, but his voice is so distinctive. You know, yeah. Uh, JJ Herzler just has such, has such a distinctive voice, and Martok is my favorite Klingon. So me too. The fan service of casting him here actually worked for me. As much as I'm complaining about the other stuff, like I'm like, you know what? I felt like he really elevated the material. And I really like, hey, that's Martok doing stuff with Archer. This is cool. Um, you can even say that he's a, a, an ancestor of Martok. He's, he's Martok's grandfather. Everybody's grandfather. Everybody's grandfather. Yeah, they're all interconnected because this is Star Wars, and it's all repetitive and in cycles. <laughs> and, you know, it's the right. Skywalker family Jurassic saga. <laughs> and it's, it's more like it's, it, could st- it could be like cycles of 30 years because we tend to have cycles of 30 years as humans. So who knows? Maybe the Klingons right. have 30-year cycles. We just don't know. And they, and they have longer lifespans, so who knows how long their cycles right? are. Right. Maybe it's more than that. But I, I just noticed personally by studying history that things go in about 30-year cycles with humans. Because those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Like Duras, that guy. Yeah, over that guy. Over and over and over again. Like this episode repeated Star Trek Six. Got it. Got yeah, it. well, uh, that's another disagreement that I have. <laughs> because the structure of the episode, although it is a Klingon trial, is very different from the movie. Because in the movie, we see uh, we see the, uh, the situation that happened before they're arrested and put on trial. In this, we start with Archer being on trial. We have no idea what he did. And then we start to see it through the telling of Duras's heavily biased story. And now, then... before this we get into that... Captain I do... Archer of the Battleship Enterprise. <laughs> Battleship. <laughs> okay, so before we get into that discussion, I need to bring up... So I was okay. talking with David A. Goodman on this, and I did tell him that I, while I we were interviewing that. him, I did tell him I didn't like this episode very much. And he was like, mm. why not? <laughs> you know, I, t- I told him. I'm like, I think it's too much like six. But... Um, you know, the element that he has in here that is unique to this storyline, are you guys familiar with the movie Rashomon? Yes. No. Okay, so it's an Akira Kurosawa film uh, from the 50s. It's a Japanese samurai film. And basically, it's it's a story, and it's told from different people's points of view. You know, like, so the Next Generation episode, Matter of Perspective, you know, takes this type of storytelling trope, and, and this is where it comes from. Like, this is the Rashomon type storytelling and he does talk about that in the interview that I did with him um but I mean like that's that's part of the problem that I have with him as well or sorry with the uh with the episode as well is that the first story that we get 
is Jurass's story, mm-hmm. and it's so completely ludicrous. <laughs> I don't give a damn about your emperor <laughs> or your chancellor. You know, like death to the empire. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that, that seems reasonable. I'm sure I just said that. I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to be laughing during that scene, but I am. Like, I don't think this is supposed to be a funny episode, but I'm laughing because it's like, it's obviously ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's it's obviously wrong, and I don't know. That's just. Well, I mean, there there are this episode. You know, speaking of you know matter of perspective, like like this episode really reminded me of a lot of different Star Trek trial episodes, more than just Star Trek Six. Obviously, Star Trek Six, uh, the Klingons, Repente, the courtroom, all that, right? That that's for sure the the number one of comparison. But it also reminded me of uh, Tribunal on on Deep Space Nine because it's basically you know O'Brien gets this advocate and like, well, you're already guilty, but we just got to go through this thing, mm-hmm. and they were going to kill you or whatever. Uh, that that definitely because the older lawyer who's kind of beaten down by the system that you kind of sympathize with them that, that kind of character exists in both episodes uh and then also in a rules of engagement with Worf uh mm-hmm. on Deep Space Nine where he gets put on trial um because that that is it's not quite you know Rashomon but there are elements of that right it's, it's people's testimony and we're cutting back and forth between stuff so those th- those immediately came to mind during this episode too and it felt like this this weird remix of of all these ideas, Star Trek and not Star Trek, and um, but that was a, dis- a different wrinkle to your point, Brandy. It was different. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just we we saw we we we, we the, the reasons for what we're watching were unraveled before us over the course of the story, as opposed to a linear story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, is this not the shortest teaser of like any Star Trek episode? <laughs> it's like under a minute. Really short. Really. No, short? the there's one in. Um impulse in season three of enterprise is like just to paul screaming for like three seconds <laughs> and that's it <laughs> it's been a long road what a transition that must be. Um, for once no one is uh angry that the theme song came on they're just like stop the screaming <laughs> stop <laughs> screaming at me stop it so yeah so all right we've we've had all, all had our say on the similarities so let us get into the differences a bit more so, I sorry I jumped the gun on that one. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. You're just fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Well, you know, you did. I did want to mention one last thing. This is really yes. cool, and I think we all agree. The judge, the judge's gavel. That's really oh, cool. I want one of those. I want that glove yeah. to hold that ball. <laughs> I really do. But th- does he only have four fingers, or what's the deal? No, I, it looks like he has. One. I don't know. It looks like he had five, but I didn't pause it and inspect it. Uh, no, I think closely. it only has. It only has four, but I don't think his hand is in the hand. But where's his hand? I think he's holding. It's like a gauntlet yeah. that's extended past yeah, his hand. So, oh, the, the fingers... I always thought it was like a glove, and he picked up the. No, I think it's all one stone, piece. But no, I think oh. it's attached. Yeah, I think it is it's one attached. piece. Yeah. And it's like a gavel, yeah. but just it's a gauntlet with like a giant hook hammer. claw. Yeah, yeah, made of flint apparently. Like the Romulans, <laughs> for some reason, the Klingons have one. Got it. Yeah. yeah. See, in, in Star Trek Six, you can't really see it because the judge is in the dark so much, right? It's it's much better shot that way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm biased. I'm the TOS guy. All right, give me a break, people. Got to defend my favorite there. episode of Enterprise. I feel like I'm on trial here. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, and apparently it and the thing he bangs it on are flint because it explodes every time. Mm-hmm. That or someone keeps That's reloading cool. those little pops we had as kids. You know. Oh, I loved those. Yeah. I used to hit those with hammers. <laughs> yeah, I used to just snap my fingers and pop them in yeah, my I hand. Did. I did. I had a do He-Man that. that you could like turn and it would like. It was like a rat battle punch He-Man or something, and it had like those caps in it. <laughs> well, anyway, I just want to get that in before he moved on because okay. that was super cool. And we all at least hey, we all agree on yes, that. Yes, we do all agree on that. 
All right. So what was I doing? I was saying something, wasn't I? The differences. <laughs> differences. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've already discussed the difference of the way the story is told. Mm -hmm. And there is a bit difference in the procedure of the trial that, between the two. Because in Star Trek VI, they go through what we assume are the normal aspects of any trial. Where you call witnesses, witnesses give testimony, cross-examination, etc. We get none of that in the beginning of this episode. Kolos basically says, you don't talk. You don't say anything. And Archer's like, well, how do I get to tell my side of it? And he's like, you don't. <laughs> so he has to go in there and just stand while this Klingon, <clears throat> Duras, um, tells his story. And he gets understandably upset that it's not being told true. But let's think about how little experience the Klingons have with humans at this point. I mean, to the point where they don't even recognize who Archer is and what he has done for the Klingons in season two, in season one, excuse me, during the events of Broken Bow. So that's pretty interesting that nobody bothers to research that. And that comes back to bite them later. But um, it's, for me, it's one of those situations where you just you feel like okay you have to say something anyone in that situation would have said something and of course Archer gets in trouble for it and somehow somehow Kolos gets a spine and <laughs> decides to actually defend Archer and get his side of the story but it's it's not surprising to me that the Klingons would just automatically believe what Duras said because what what experience do they have with humans to contradict it? But see, that's the other frustrating thing about the story to me is that we've seen it so many times where, you know, the humans come in and show them the way and teach them the way and, you know, mm. stand up for your rights, you know, don't be that person and do what's right. And it takes one man with a vision. Yeah. I don't know. Like we've just, we've heard that so many times with Star Trek as well, you know, and the the humans are always defeating the Klingons. And like, this is another thing where it's like, we're going to teach the way and we're going to be better than the Klingons. And it's like, ah, I don't know. It's just like, it's just over and over. I'm, I think this episode is now going down in my opinion again while we're talking about it. But. Yeah, well, yeah I, I, I look, I, I liked uh, the turn of Kolos, right? But I didn't feel like we had established his character enough to even know why he would do that. It seemed like a very like 90 degree turn for him to just mm -hmm. go with the system in one scene and the next scene go against the man. But that's no, but the limitation I of a 42 minute episode, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't really. That part didn't bother me because I, I feel like it did fit within his character. Because he talks about winning over 200 cases, which clearly was not a possibility under the current system. Because it wasn't, it wasn't even as if they were saying, well, we don't listen to you because you're human. We just don't listen to people on trial at all. Anyone. Doesn't matter if it's a Klingon or not. They, I'm going to tell my side, you're going to be guilty, you're going to go to die. And that, that's, that was kind of the end of it. And he does that whole speech about... Even before he turns, he tells them about, oh, well, one time, you know, before, this was like a real trial. Like, this was legit. And it was, maybe I'm wrong, this was the first time you really see that not everyone is a warrior class, right? They had that little speech in there, too, which right. which I enjoyed. I liked that because, obviously, you can't have a society of everyone just fighting because people have to do other stuff. What? <laughs> y yes, Brandon. Well, other stuff. <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> Well, yeah, hey, maybe, you know, by the time... In Canada, we all just play hockey. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> Play hockey and ride moose. Um, but hey, I, I guess you were talking about Star Trek Six. They had kind of a real trial, right? There was testimony. There was this and that. Maybe you know, Colas's changes. He came back to the Empire. He instituted some of these changes. And so we fast forward to the Star Trek Six. There were actually some some progress made. Um, not in that particular trial, but at least they had a Kirk and McCoy had a chance to speak. Uh, unlike Archer. Well, I, I mean, no one listened to him, but yeah. Like I said, I have an argument for that, but I don't well, want to. No, I don't want to talk about it yet. I don't want to talk about it yet because I don't want to talk about it yet. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> we haven't we haven't fully examined some things yet. <laughs> so I know I'm being annoying, but it's it's something where you know we're going to talk about the endings of both situations, and so anyway, uh-huh. uh, so yeah, we. we um, we obviously talked about Klingon Justice is a dog and pony show right now, and uh, it's well. I guess I can go into this really because um, my husband brought up an interesting point. He says that the justice system seems to be different depending on how well the Empire is doing. If the Empire is doing really well, like they were in the time of Enterprise. Uh, they probably just didn't care. Everybody's just guilty. Get rid of them. Let's not waste our time. But then in Star Trek VI, where like the whole galaxy is watching, and they're basically, their homeworld is dying, their race is in danger of becoming extinct, all of a sudden they're all about, let's have a fair trial. Or at least make it look like a fair trial. But my personal feeling is, if... They didn't have Kirk's personal log showing his bias against Klingons. Could the verdict have gone a different way? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, you have a drunk. They would have manufactured something. They would have found a way because they, 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 their objective was they were going to be guilty one way or the other. Right. Um, the, the had, it not, had it not of, been that case, maybe something else. But the objective is to kill. Um, I hear those names go again. Uh, kill Gorkon, right? And to get Kurt killed as well. So they were going to do it one way or another. It was obvious. They they already knew that, that Kurt's son was killed, so they would have brought that up either way, right? And they had a drunk doctor trying to save the guy. So it's kind of an easy win. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, do you think the judge was always just going to say they were guilty no matter what evidence was presented? In that in that particular situation, yes. you think the judge was in on it? Yeah, I think everybody was in on yeah, it. Yeah, I, for, I disagree. Uh, I do not think everybody was in on it. I don't think. Hey, you know what? I don't think Colonel Worf was in on it. <laughs> I like Colonel Worf. I don't like you guys. I know you guys don't like him. But I didn't say. I didn't say I didn't like Colonel Worf. I just didn't like <laughs> Michael Dorn playing him. That's what I didn't like about it. What a family objection. Family resemblance. No, yeah, I think everyone was in on it because I think everyone wanted to stop the peace talks. So I don't think it mattered. Yes, he would have ordered death, and he wouldn't have said in the order, you know, in the spirit of fostering peace, mm. you know, we the death sentence is commuted. So would he wouldn't have done that if he was in on it. So I feel that maybe, maybe that maybe that's just they wanted to show that they had that, and they were planning to kill him on repenting anyway. Yeah, killed by planning to escape. So Yeah, but again, I don't think I don't, think, I, I I don't think the judge was in on it. Yeah, because, I really, really don't. No, because they do say when when he escaped, when they do escape and they Kirk figures out the shapeshifter is messing with them, 
they basically say two death sentences would have screwed everything up, but being murdered, trying to escape, that's, you know, plausible. No, that what they what they were saying was is that, you know, dying by accident at Rurapente was too obvious. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah, right. If and, for one it would have been okay. But killed not two. yeah. But mm-hmm. killed while trying to yeah. escape, that's believable for both. It had nothing to do with yeah, uh, you, you, I see your point, Brad. You just have more faith in the Klingon justice system than we do. I, I don't. N- <laughs> I just feel the non, like the non, entire the, the non-corruptibility of the yeah. Justice. I just feel like a judge at that point, knowing that the world is watching, would still just go by the letter of the law. And anyway, I don't know. I just don't feel like he was in on it. In fact, I feel like a lot of Klingons were not in on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't even think he has to be on it just to give a bad verdict of guilty because everyone's guilty. That's true, but I, I still feel like... It doesn't necessarily have to be a Kirk thing. It could just be a really crappy system thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's some universe out there where they were found innocent, so there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have that in my head canon. Some Kelvin alternate timeline. reality. The Kelvin timeline. Sure, sure why not? Yeah. The Kelvin timeline, yeah. When we, get, when we get there to the Kelvin Star Trek 6, the, the, the Black Mirror inside. universe. Please don't rip off any more original series movies. Please. Please don't do we that. Can get, who, who, looks, who looks and sounds nothing like Christopher Plummer? We'll get him to play Chang. That's all we'll do. Mm. <laughs> hey mm. Deep cut. Moving on. So, actually, he could probably still do it. He could. <laughs> that dude's awesome. I uh, mean, he's still acting, so it's not like he couldn't uh-huh. do it. But please That's don't the, do He's that. the only Canadian who's not playing hockey. Chat, <laughs> <laughs> but they found him on a rink. Uh, anyway. All right, so... Yeah. Now let's discuss the thing that really bugs Brandon about walking out the front door of Rurapente. And why can't they decide on a pronunciation of Rurapente? I've heard it as Rurapente and Rurapente in that episode of Enterprise. We'll just do it like Uhura does it. Rurapente da! <laughs> we is condemning f- food, supplies, and things. I don't know. Oh, look, hey, go- going back to the pronunciation, though, I, I've actually heard a lot of people make that complaint, and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Because if I say it and the guy in Jersey says it, it's going to sound different. Yeah, but if you have two Klingons in the same room saying it differently? Yeah, because we could, it doesn't mean we grew up in the same place. Our, our accents would be different. Dang it, that's the, that's the same argument Dave used, and I was hoping to poke holes in it, <laughs> but you just won't let me. No, I, I, I agree with you, Patrick. It adds a certain authenticity to it, because people don't say things the same way. No, we, we kind of have this, America. like, view, because, all right, so each race was created to be a a certain demographic, right? Like, that's kind of how yeah. Star Trek was built. But that doesn't mean that everyone talks the same that comes from the same country or area of the country or world. True. Uh, yeah, remember that next be, time you tease I mean, me about my Canadian accent. I definitely will. But that's my <laughs> point. See, he would say it differently. And, and we would make fun of him. So one of those Rurapentes, we're making fun of the other. Okay. In, in Canada, we say Rurapunte? <laughs> no, please, no. Ponte? <laughs> But even Pinty. not even going as far as America, Canada. I mean, literally, someone in Brooklyn would say those words differently than I would living in Queens. And right. I can walk there from one to the other. No, I know exactly what you mean. Um, because in Utah, there are certain people who think that the word viaduct is viaduct. And that is not a word. <laughs> so, But they're like, no, it's viaduct. Really? Look it up. Yep. Oh, right. You can't, it's not a word. 
here's what I found interesting about the differences of Repente in Star Trek VI and in the Enterprise episode. In Star Trek VI, they have like these lasers that they're cutting away at whatever they're mining. Uh, they have old pickaxes in the Enterprise episodes. It, it took them like 150 years to get to lasers from pickaxes. Well, that is a very I, I, ineffective could... way of mining. It is, but it's a, it's a really effective way to let the people die while they're doing it. True. Ex- exactly. True. So, you know, I mean, new jailer took over, decided he wanted more, more mining, less dying. Yeah. If you think about that, though, like you're gonna get they're they're mining with lasers, like, you know, they could just like revolt against the the captors like with <laughs> these <true>. mining lasers. <laughs> just be like, I'll mine. Oh. Just go all Rambo on the uh, on the uh, captors. No? So They're really, probably, that's a negative you know, for six. Then is what we're saying yeah. here, right? But they could also take the pickaxe and put it in their skulls too, right? So. Yeah, that's yeah, true. A, a little I, harder though. I mean, you have how, to like get up on them to do it. They'll see you coming. How long do Klingons live? Like two hundred years, like Vulcans, or like do, do we know? Like I know they live longer than humans, obviously, because Deep Space Nine established that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking, I don't know, maybe maybe this would have been too long, but if we would have seen, like, the, the jail, like, the uh, the warden guy from Star Trek Six, but, like, that same actor, he shows up, he was in uh, 09, he was in Voyager, uh, he was in Next Generation. Um, As a Klingon? Put him in the no, same... No, this is what you do. No, he was... You get his son, Mark, to be the, the, the warden in Enterprise. Oh. Okay. Uh, th- he, has a, he has a son who's also Mark Shepard? You don't know who Mark Shepard is? <sighs> he played... Did he play Morn? <laughs> I'm serious. This is a serious question. I don't either. Mark <laughs> Allen Shepard played Morn. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Mark Allen Shepard. Is that who no, we're talking no, no. about? No, no, no. His son, Mark Shepard, who's coming. So Mark Allen Shepard is not they're, 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 the Mark Allen Shepard is dad. <laughs> Mark Shepard just goes okay. by Mark Shepard, his son. Spent many okay. years on Supernatural. He was in Firefly as Badger, the, oh. crim, the crime... I don't know if you'd call him a boss per se. <laughs> he sure wanted to be. He's coming to Salt okay. Lake Comic Con. So, yeah. They should have just got just... Worf to be the lawyer in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Worf. <laughs> Michael Dorn. Uh, Colonel Worf is the warden. We've officially gone off the rails. Yeah. What I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I thought that would have been cool putting continuity. Yes. Just throwing it out there. Someone call it fan service. And had they done it, I'd probably be sitting here complaining about it. But since they didn't, I'm going to say, oh. That would have been cool. Yeah. So that, that's that's the, See, the struggle of being a fan. That's, yeah. that's how I feel about fan service is people complain about it when it's there and they complain about it when it's not there. There's no pleasing. Exactly. And that's the thing. You can't please everyone. We've already established that on in just life in general. You can't please everyone. And that's fine. Because if we all liked the same things the same way, how boring would this world be? Yeah. Exactly. Variety is the spice of life. Yes. Agreed. Judge Advocate Wolf. I, I, I will... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, call I, it John. Colos, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I did, I did like that he stayed and didn't escape. You know, because I felt like uh, he, he's absolutely right. He's like, if he was just like became a fugitive that would have thrown in the face of you know all the years he spent you know advocating for the law. So I liked that, and uh, you know, I guess we never see him again on Enterprise. I, I do hope he survived, and I hope he went back and instituted some changes in the justice system um, to, to whatever degree they they were. Uh, I hope he's able to survive because they even say at the end, hey, life expectancy isn't here that long and you're sentenced here for a year. Um, but, uh, you know, Martok's pretty tough clean on. I think he I think he pulled it out. He, he survived in that Dominion camp, so I think he survived for a penalty, right? <laughs> we would have seen that in season five. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. The magic bag of hindsight. Oh, yeah, we've seen Cole also come back. Well, you know, right. the events, the way that this episode ended, that gets continued in a later episode, too. So it's not like they're not good about continuity. Yeah. So. Yeah, because Duras falls into the yeah, bounty. Yeah. They also have the, the they have the bounty looking for Archer. So yeah, I mean, like at least there's ramifications that they actually noticed that he walked out the front door, right? But I mean, they could have at least you know put a lock on the door or something. Well, well, he walked out the front door, and that's why the lock was there when Kirk wanted to leave. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, we really should have a way for people to not go to the surface. Who would have thought they pull on Kirk. the front door? Yeah, Archer ruined it for everybody. But that, yeah, guys, that, I mean, that was extremely anticlimactic. Like, how can you, how can you defend that? Like, <laughs> it's a climax to an episode. Like, I just, like, it makes, I, it cheapens Star Trek Six and it's lame at the same time, like, in, in my opinion. Because, <laughs> uh, like, oh, Captain, we have to hurry. We have, we have a 10-minute window here. We can sit and we can talk for a while. And we can just run out the front door. And I, I don't know. And they, and they were going to have room for one more person? <laughs> Like, that's ridiculous to me. And TM this is like Crumpet. the the alien graveyard. It's notorious, like you know, it's the Alcatraz of Star Trek universe. And sure, let's just go out the front. I mean, I'm with you, Brandon. Like that. When when I saw like I was waiting for like another scene. I'm like, oh no, they they keep they keep panning out. Is this it? Is this it? Oh, executive producer Brandon, this is it. <laughs> like this is the last scene. No credit uh, cookie. I was I was disappointed. So that's that's my take. The credit cookie is fight. rebuilding a snowman, a snow Klingon. <laughs> Oh, not a snow Vulcan? That would have been funnier. Yeah. Well, it could have been because it's, like, it's after the season one episode. I know. It's like, huh? why did someone build a snow Vulcan? Just make everybody think. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's a dumb idea. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And you have to wonder what the security measures are at Ruripente in this time. Because do they just let people die on the surface? Do they already have that shield that prevents beaming out? Uh, because transporters aren't a real big thing on Enterprise yet. They only mm-hmm. start using them out of complete necessity in season three, mm-hmm. which is good for them. It's good for them because, you know, and even after that, they still would prefer to take a shuttle. But uh, they obviously didn't. I don't think that they beamed down to the planet. That's never talked about. And does anyone find it weird that they have a very unstarfleet way of getting Archer out of there? Going through back channels and paying bribes and stuff? Well, anybody have a problem with that? <laughs> not me at all. I, no, no, like I don't. I don't know if there was a way they could have gotten them out otherwise. You know. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, mean, I you just put like a Viridian patch on his back. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I saw that in the first movie. The first time I saw the movie, which was in a theater with my family, because we're all nerds, and I just thought he just put something on his back. What is that little Velcro <laughs> strip, strip back there? What he is just that? put a kick me sign on him. <laughs> Kirk is a jerk. Kirk is a jerk. I do. I do like the continuity of the Klingon prisons. They don't like give you prison issue uniforms. They just let you wear your your Starfleet uniform underneath your prison stuff. Um, that I mean, Archer's wearing his, and Kirk wore her, wore his. Thank goodness, or the Enterprise never could have uh, never could have found him because Spock put that on his on his uniform. So continuity. Well, Yay. I feel like they uh, have so many different species of beings at Ruripente that to try to issue a standard prison uniform would be next to impossible. But then there's also mm-hmm. replicators. Aren't there replicators by this time in Star Trek? So No, they got chef. Uh, yeah. 
They got Riker. No, I'm talking about in Star Trek Six, guys. Oh. But they still have a kitchen well, on the have, Enterprise. Well, they have a kitchen, so, yeah, with a freaking turkey and maybe. <laughs> mashed potatoes. They have in the pot. Where, was that mashed potatoes? I thought that they were making some kind eat. of bread, but I could be wrong. I assumed it was mashed oh, potatoes. Oh, you know, Brandon, I thought it. I always, I always think it's a bird because it has like the uh, the whisker. <laughs> that looks and it looks like a drumstick, yes. like in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> it does. Oh, it boy. does. We're off the rails. So yeah, well, that was inevitable, but. I the thing is, is welcome the warp five. If you if you think about it from a complete <laughs> ethical standpoint, maybe T'Pol went about it in a sneaky way, but she's also very logical. So she did what logic dictated. They had to get Archer out of there, and that was the most logical way in her mind to do it. So I felt it didn't conflict with her character, but I don't know. And it had to have been sanctioned by Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're not we're not allies with the Klingons this at this is point, true. like we are in the 24th century. We're not trying. We're not in negotiations with peace talks like we are in Star Trek Six. So, at this point, like they're just this is an an enemy mm-hmm. force who has captured one of our commanders, like one of our top officers. We're going in. We're getting them out. Like I don't care what we need to do. We're getting them out. Like, and you don't have to worry about the political ramifications at that point because you're already. You're not in a state of war, but you're like your guys aren't friends. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't see it. Uh, obviously, there, there's a lot less, I guess, repercussions back then than there would have been later on down the road when there's a lot more diplomatic um, uh, channels open between uh, Starfleet and the Klingon. Well, and I think that it it feels to me like the Klingon High Council per se in Enterprise wasn't all that bothered about looking for him as much as Duras was. So because they knew who he was after that trial. They they knew what he had done for the Klingon Empire and saved them from civil war. So you have to put on the show of, yeah, well, the law's the law, and this is the punishment. And But, oh, he escaped. Huh. Okay. So and it yet, seems like that was their attitude, but not Duras's. Even though they figured out who he was and what he had done, they were like, yeah, we won't kill you. We'll just kill you slowly at a mine. Go. <laughs> yeah, maybe they thought that Starfleet would break him out anyway. We don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe that's why the door was open. Yeah, there you go. They left the door open. Well, they we did fixed bribe. It for you, Brandon, don't worry. I think they bribed the warden, if I remember correctly. They they bribed some Klingon official. Yeah, there was so. somebody off planet that they used to get their ship and whatnot. And... I can't believe we've talked about mm-hmm. Star Trek Six this long, and no one talked about the scene with the boots where the guy walks in and. He's being yelled at, and Spock just points down because his feet would obviously not fit. It was actually like the most ridiculous um, scene ever, and I love it. Crewman Dax. Jedzia. Yeah, Yeah. I guess the symbiote wasn't that guy? (laughs) Come on, Star Trek. Reusing reusing names, reusing sets, reusing story points. (laughs) Yeah, but why was that symbiote in a non-trill then? Because because they didn't even know they were joined. If you look at uh, next, I've never seen Jadzia's feet. It's a whole other topic. (laughs) (laughs) Worf is into weird stuff, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And you wonder what they mean when they say zoom. Okay, I'm okay, sorry. We should probably wrap it up because we got to get to the next episode. So. Mm, stop making me laugh, guys. Okay, so, 
So yeah, let's uh, let's pretend I, in my head canon, Kolos does survive his sentence and he goes on to have an effect on the future justice system. But let's go around the horn with our final thoughts. Let's start with you, Zach, since you're our guest. Thank you. I uh, this episode, yeah, it's kind of like a you know a bargain budget Star Trek six in, in certain respects. But I did I did like a lot of new elements brought to it. I liked that it examined you know the Klingon culture and deeper. And shows that you know in that conversation with Archer and Cole that yeah you don't think we're all warriors right I mean that's that's doesn't make any sense uh, and it was something we all knew as fans but they established on screen finally uh, I like that uh, I did I, you know I love JG Hersler Martok is my favorite Klingon I know he's a different character here but he still brings that same you know gravitas to the character and, and uh, uh, he's just just very compelling uh, you know dynamic guy. Uh, so I, I enjoyed his performance here. His voice is so Martok, but the appearance-wise, they made him look extremely different. So I could suspend my disbelief and just enjoy the performance. Um, I, you know, it started off strong. You know, you just you throw you in, you're like, Archer's on trial. Like, what is this about? So it does hook you in, uh, even though, as I mentioned, it's an extremely short teaser. It hooks you in, keeps you interested. And the point of view thing, while, yes, yeah, kind of a remix of several other Star Trek, you know, trial episodes and just trial in general uh, shows, uh, it added a different layer of things than we had in Star Trek Six, so it mixed it up enough for me. Um, it does get seriously hurt by the very anticlimactic ending, though. So, it, it, on the whole, average episode Enterprise, but I enjoyed it. Fair enough, Brandon. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad we discussed this. I'm glad I watched them again, and I, the episode still for me is pretty low on my list. And you know, it's there, all the things that I mentioned in the episode already having Jurass, there's just a little too much fan service that just didn't work for me. Jurass, you know, the angles of the camera for the trial, you know, walking out of Rare Pente, it just it just doesn't work for me and it's it's still one of the lower episodes on my list of Enterprise and it's, you know, I said last night on Twitter, you know, that I don't like this and I think it was Thad Hayt who responded he's like, man, I don't understand what you like and don't like and I said, I like the good episodes and I don't know to me, this wasn't a good episode, and I know that I'm pretty much in the minority on that opinion. I know that people really like this, and I, I think that the fan service works for a lot of people, and that's okay. It just doesn't work for me. So, you know, I watch it when I watch the show. We determine it's an essential episode because of the continuity later on in the season, uh, but it's, you know, it's never going to make any lists for me, and it's it's one that always goes to the back burner, so... Hey, that's that's fine. We all have different views. Patrick. So, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy the episode. I enjoy the movie. I never watched them back to back. I kind of like the episode a little less doing it that way. But down the line, you know, down the line, I just won't watch them back to back and I'll be fine again. Uh, the ending is a bit anticlimactic, so I just kind of ignore that it happens that way. And and everything else kind of falls into place. Am I running out of my way to watch it? No. Am I running away from it if it's coming up, you know, on my list? No, I'll watch it. it it's just another episode of, of Enterprise that I somewhat enjoy and and can watch at times, you know. Uh, nothing amazing, nothing terrible. It's just an episode. All right. Uh, I'm probably the one who likes this episode the most. <laughs> so That's it's good. one I'm of those... Glad. Yeah, it's not one of those that I'm just going to be like, oh, this is my favorite episode, because we all know what my favorite episode is. And, 
because if if there's Shran involved, that's always going to win over anything else. But uh, I actually found myself liking it more after watching it back to back with Star Trek VI and discovering how many differences there really were. Uh, so, you know, I will I will still enjoy it. I will still watch it in my rewatches. Actually, I'll still watch everything in my rewatches. Yes, Patrick, even Extinction. I do too. And... I watch everything in my rewatches. Yeah. If you yeah. start rewatching, you don't watch It's everything. the point of a rewatch. You can't exactly. skip yeah. it. I do. You've got to do it start to finish. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I, I still like it. But that's, that's the interesting thing is getting people with different viewpoints discussing something because if it's all just a love fest or a hate fest, that's not interesting to listen to. So... So yeah, so Star Trek Six and Judgment, same but different. <laughs> so that's my final ruling on the matter, and I pick up my giant gauntlet and bang, bang, sparks, yeah. sparks, bang. It's like bang. the spark that came out of my hair dryer this morning. Good grief! <laughs> Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you when you're not walking out the front door? <clears throat> <laughs> well, you can find me here on the network uh, with Ken and Haley every week talking about Star Trek, the original series, the original series movies, the reboot movies, all adventures of Captain Kirk, old and new. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. You can also find me hosting my own podcast about Smallville, the young Superman show at Always Smallville on Twitter. That's with one S. Excellent. Well... Undercooked Targ is not the only thing we've been discussing here on the network this week, so take a listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Also, and this might be me reading way too much into this, but I feel like because Tilly ends up being so instrumental in what happens later in the Mirror Universe, part of me when I was reading this wondered if in the back of my mind... Stamets is like, I need to have one person. And Lork is like, oh, I want to make my own. T- oh, Tilly, that's who you want. Yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> to the journey! This is Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if you fall in love with a hologram... <laughs> you might be in a doomed relationship. <laughs> if you fall in love and it never really happened... You might be in a doomed relationship. If you fall in love with someone manipulative... You might be in a doomed relationship. If you can't even remember your own name... You're definitely in a doomed relationship. (laughs) (laughs) The Orb. So I'm going to destroy your computers, so if you want to fight, you're going to have to use real bombs. I hope you're ready, because I'm leaving. You figure it out. But, of course, trailing the Enterprise is always the Starfleet cleanup ship that comes in and yeah, cleans up the mess. Yeah, the USS Broom Sweep. Right, yeah. the USS Broom Sweep. Standard orbit. Can we not just go to just a planet and everybody has dark complexion and it's just it's not a thing? You know, it's not like a crux of the story, right? That would have been, I think that would have been true progress. And it's not even like, oh, well, since we're going to this planet, we have to talk about race. That's the whole point of the whole story. Uh, it serves the story well, but I don't think that's a prerequisite to have a story like this. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join in the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review.
If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link as well. Fantastic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many, many ways for you to do that. The best place, of course, to join to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, which is our listeners group on Facebook. Please join. Uh, you have to ask to be, become a member of the Babel Conference, but, you know, just ask to join and we'll let you right in. Just type B-A-B-E-L, Babel, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come up as one of the first options. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on the website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Now, Brandon, when you aren't fantasizing about what Jadzia Dax's feet look like, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. You can find me here on the network uh, with The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. And you can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, which is devoted to Alfred Hitchcock movies. And Patrick, where can people find you when you're not trying to throw cases and, uh, you know, not do a very good job as a defending lawyer? <laughs> They can find me on Twitter at MagicDrop5. The five is a number. It's all one word. And they can find me popping up in and out of the uh, Babel Conference at time to time. It's not as much as you, as it used to be. I'm pretty busy lately. But I do pop in there and I, I check out what's going on. And um, that's about it right now. Uh, that's all I have going on. That might change in the coming next couple weeks. So keep an eye out for that. But, you know, that's it for now. Uh, Brandy, where can people find you when I'm not slid- sliding a kick me sign on your back with Velcro? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> well, you can find me lurking in the Babel Conference from time to time. My free time has been severely curtailed during the very busy season at my work, so I don't have as much time as I used to, but that will change later on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is spelled with an I, and the 12 is a number. And uh, you'll also hear me from time to time on the 602 Club. You never know when I'm going to pop up on there talking about nerd stuff. And uh, I do a podcast with my lovely husband, Dave, which is called The Dark Corner Podcast, which you can find on strangeanddeadly.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. And we talk about pop culture from a different, darker point of view. And I get out all my frustrations and swearing on that podcast so that I don't do that here. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron on the network on Patreon, which is how I got involved when I first became a associate producer of Metatrex. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, ex- uh, producer credits, and more. Available through a special patron's website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank the wonderful supporters of Warp 5 and Trek FM. These people are very gracious in donating their funds to become associate producers of our show. And they don't just help us, they help the whole network. We have Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, and Joe Saltzman. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it, and we couldn't do it without you. 
Well, that does it for this episode of Warp 5, and we will see you all next time when we'll be talking about... We have Larry Nemechek joining us next week. Larry Nemechek is joining us. Oh, Larry, it's been too long since we've talked, Larry. I got, we got I a got couple to meet of good him. episodes coming up. We have Larry joining us, and then the week after that, we're doing our movie night on Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, we're doing our commentary for Extinction. And then the week <laughs> after that, we have uh, Keith R.A. DeCandido joining us to talk zombies and impulse. And then the week after that, we're doing another movie night, and we're doing Frankenstein. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, so that takes us up to episode 149. So, uh, yeah, we got some great stuff coming up over the next five weeks. Wonderful. I'm so excited for all awesome. of it. So, keep that's Keep calm it and kabla! Or keep calm and boom on, boomers. We'll see you next time. I just got to, yeah, but... while we're talking about this, I just got to bring one thing up. Brandy? Yes. Measure. Measure. Mm. Measure. Measure. <laughs> measure. There's an E-A in there. It's measure. I say nuclear. Is that right? Yes! Don't make me come over there, Zach. I will beat the crap out of you. Because nuclear is not a word. <laughs> I, be- I believe Brandy, how, I believe do, how do you say pleasure? Pleasure. Pleasure. Spelled how do you same. say how do you say Wait, comb? But pleasure Wait, is spelled water. the same but how as do you, measure. How do you say comb? How do you say Every, tomb? Everyone say everyone say water. 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 You guys all say it like New Yorkers. That's crazy. Anyways, but I'm just saying yeah, that water, pleasure hey. and measure are spelt the same way, except for the B. Pleasure. And so are tomb and comb. This is not at all completely differently. You don't right, say so pleasure. For anyone still and you don't say this tome. Point. You say tomb. <laughs> anyone, Hold on, anyone who hasn't given up on this yet, just um, if you if you go back on the English is stupid, okay? English is stupid and it doesn't follow its own rules, and that is why people have a really hard time learning it. So have a little sympathy for people trying to learn English, all right? So, so there's a comedian who bashes watermelons, and he does a whole skit on this. Gallagher, I know, I I know. So if you want to go check out tomb, tome, tomb, home, hom, comb, whatever. We can go there. Gallagher. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's another one. Come we'll and home. You. We'll forgive you. Uh, you know, Brandy, you're just learning English. <laughs>